my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about, of course, the decentralized revolution, how the world is changing right before our very eyes as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And we have a big show coming up. The government admits money comes from thin air. The U.S. Treasury has only two weeks of money left. Why a government default seems more likely than ever. And big problems equal big solutions. And we have one right now. So that's what we're going to cover. Let's go ahead and dig right into this. And let's just start right off by uh, stating the obvious. We are at the point now where the government, the government officials are saying the quiet part out loud. What do I mean? Well, there's lots of things that we talk about uh, kind of behind the scenes. People might consider them sometimes conspiracies. Uh, maybe they're lies. Maybe we don't understand. But we're at the point now where they're coming out and telling us that specifically. Now, uh, one of our government officials, I'm talking about Brad Sherman from California, obviously is not one of my favorite uh, lawmakers for sure. He has been... Um, let's say a big time foe, an enemy of progress, an enemy of innovation, an enemy of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And of course, his major donors are credit card companies and banks. So of course, no wonder he's against that. And he's constantly come out with bad take after bad take after bad take. And he has another one this week that, uh, Man, it really stood out, stood out to me. I'm going to let you hear it directly from his mouth. Let's go ahead and play this clip from Brad Sherman so you can hear what we're talking about. Crypto bros make money literally by making money, and they've made over a trillion dollars out of thin air. Um, they'll accuse the U.S. government of making money out of thin air. 
maybe we do, but we're the U.S. government. <laughs> uh, crypto bros accuse the U.S. government of making money out of thin air. Maybe we do, but we're the U.S. government. <laughs> That's his rationale. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember seeing these bumper stickers. They might still be around today, but they say... Um, don't steal. The government hates competition. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen one of those bumper stickers before, but that's basically what they're saying. Uh, you're not allowed to counterfeit money. That's the government's job. <laughs> you're not allowed to steal. That's the government's job. You're not allowed to create money out of thin air. That's the government's job. So there's, there's, there's a lot to unpack with this. And as I said, one, they're saying the quiet part out loud. Yes, the government literally creates money out of thin air. Although, if you don't understand what money is, maybe you don't really understand it. But let me unpack this just a little bit. So, does the government print money out of thin air? And do crypto bros create money out of thin air? Well, first of all, money is a mean of exchange, is a store of value. And I don't want to get into all that. But let's think about this for a minute. How is money made? How do you make money out of thin air? Well, I mean, you can't, right? So, if I'm a crypto bro that Brad Sherman's talking about, let's see. I had to probably learn how to code. I've probably spent hundreds or thousands of hours potentially schooling, uh, learning how to code. And then I had to learn how to get a blockchain and fork it. Um, and then, you know, change it, modify it to my own liking. Um, well, one, I had to have the idea, I had to have the creativity to even see a potential use case. So I had to see a problem and a, and a potential solution. I had to come up with a new, you know, crypto bro blockchain to potentially solve that problem. I had to learn how to code or I had to hire coders to come in and write the code, fork it, modify it, et cetera. Um, then I had to, you know, build a website and, and put all the marketing together. I had to, uh, you know, figure out how to raise money, set up offshore corporations, bank accounts, whatever. I had to go on the show, you know, the roadshow, and I had to collect money, raise money. Then I had to get exchanges to, t to list the token. I had to sell the token, et cetera. Sort of sounds like setting up a business. So for Brad Sherman to say that they were creating money out of thin air, I don't see what he's talking about. If you follow that line of thinking, then Mark Zuckerberg created money out of thin air. Uh, Jeff Bezos created money out of thin air. If you create, so what Brad Sherman is saying is if you learn how to use your mental capital, if you learn how to use your ideas to solve problems, you learn how to use your uh, skills that you develop to write code, you've learned marketing skills and organizational skills, and your business creates revenue, you've created it out of thin air. Is that what they're saying? That's what he's trying to say. Now, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, you know I'm not a big fan of cryptocurrency as a category because most of it is vaporware. Most of it is a scam. And I don't use the word scam lightly. What I mean is that people think they're buying one thing, a decentralized, secure asset, and they're being sold something else that's neither decentralized nor secure. Um, and many times there's rug pulls and things like that. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of it as a category, but to say that they're printing money from thin air just shows how little Brad Sherman knows about what he's even talking about. He has no idea. Of course he doesn't. He's a government bureaucrat. He's never created value in his entire life. So he has no idea what we'd say is how the sausage is made. He has no idea how businesses actually create value. He has no idea how people get paid by creating value. If he did, he would understand that what the crypto bros have done is no different. I mean, it's different in, in many ways, but it's very similar to what Mark Zuckerberg did by creating a line of code in his college dorm room.
and what the guys that started Airbnb from a from an Airbnb from a couch did. They wrote a line of code. They organized people. They created marketing. They went and raised money. That created value for those people, um, and they made money. So the crypto bros did not create money out of thin air. They created something that enticed people to give them money, U.S. dollars. Now, back to the government. The government is making money out of thin air. That's according to Brad Sherman's own words. Yes, the government is printing money out of thin air. So what are they doing to provide value? What is the government doing to provide any value to us? They're not. They didn't learn a skill. They didn't provide that skill to the marketplace. They didn't go build out marketing and go raise money. People willingly giving them money. No, that's not what the government does. The government hits a button on a keyboard to create more dollar units. Not for us, not in exchange for value. They just inject those into the system. None of us get any say out of this. And what it does, instead of providing value to us, it steals our value away. Every time they create, create one more currency unit, it makes the existing crypto, uh, the existing currency units worth less, worthless. And so when you see prices going up, steak, gas, milk, cheese, homes, travel, etc. When those prices are going up, what's really happening is the dollars are buying less and less. They're debasing, they're devaluing the dollar by creating more of them. And so it's not that prices are going up, they are, but the reason why prices are going up is because the value of that money is going down. The money buys you less. It takes more of those currency units to buy those same goods and services in the future. Now, that's being done because, as Brad Sherman said, the quiet part out loud, they're creating money from thin air. Now, this takes us to the big topic at hand, which is all over the news, which is the debt limit. The United States government, the global super, the number one global superpower, the homogeny, the, the reserve currency of the world, the United States government is broke. The United States Treasury, the Treasury runs the government. It's like if you had a business, you had an accounting department. The Treasury is like the accounting department. They're broke. They don't have enough income to cover their expenses. And they've taken on more debt and more debt and more debt. And now they don't have any more. So, for example, if you... Uh, had a business and your expenses ex exceeded your income. And so you took a credit line from your bank. Um, and then you went through that entire credit line and you still didn't have enough revenue to cover your expenses. So then you went and got a credit card and then you still couldn't get your business profitable. And so you took out another credit card. And then finally the bank and the credit cards are like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, no more credit for you. That's where the government's at. 5 trillion, 10 trillion, 20 trillion, 30 trillion, 32 trillion, and the government still can't be profitable. And now the credit lines are cut off. If you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show talking about the decentralized revolution. We're running through some big stuff. We're going to talk about the treasury has only two weeks of money left. Why the government default is more likely than ever and the big problem. I'll be back with that in a, more, in a minute. Don't go away. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms.
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, of course, always talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about how... Uh, our lawmakers are now saying the quiet part out loud. Brad Sherman says, hey, you crypto bros created money out of thin air. You can't do that, but we're the government. We do. I explained that. I'm not going to go through that again. But uh, the government needs to create more money out of thin air because the government, the U.S. Treasury, is broke. Literally meaning broke. As a matter of fact, let's hear directly from the head of the U.S. Treasury. Uh, Again, kind of in a business analogy, this would be Uh, like your CFO telling you this. Let's hear exactly what Janet Yellen, the head of U.S. Treasury, is saying about this debt default that's looming here. Well, you know, I I would say that if Congress doesn't raise the, the debt ceiling, the president will have to make some decisions about Um, what to do with the resources that we do have. And there are a variety of different options, but there are no good options. Every option is a bad option. Uh, first of all, that wasn't a bad signal. That's just how she talks. <laughs> she has to labor over every single word. Um, so that's how she talks. But uh, there's no good options. Yeah. Uh, who would want to cut back on their spending? Who would want to live within a budget? Those are not good options. She says that the president will have to make some very difficult decisions. Yeah, like uh, uh, not increasing the spending when you don't have the money. Those are very difficult decisions. Now, if you tune in regularly, you kind of already know this. I talk about this. It's already been framed up. But look, this isn't a partisan thing. I don't want to turn this into a Republican Democrat. Uh, we, we happen to have a Democrat, Biden, in the office. Now we had a, uh, a Republican with Trump in before. 
Trump spent more money than any president before him, and Biden wants to spend even more. Every president wants to spend more, and the reason why is because we are in a debt-based monetary system, which means the debt has to constantly expand or the whole thing falls apart. So it's not red or blue. Uh, Trump spent more than before him, and uh, Biden wants to spend even more. But Biden has come out like swinging, like crazy, passing like all types of bills like the Inflation Reduction Act. And they want to spend $1.7 trillion on all these new programs like $80 billion to bring on a whole bunch of new IRS agents, um, types, th- types of things like that. And, uh, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to give to other countries to study, you know, gender studies and things like that. Uh, money that probably doesn't need to be spent. Uh, money that might be good to be spent if, if you wanted to and you had some extra money and you thought it was worthwhile, but certainly not when you're broke and your income is exceeding your um, your income is uh, your expenses are exceeding your income. So um, no good options left. Now let's talk about some of these options. So option one is the Republican said, look, here's what we'll do. We'll allow you to increase the debt ceiling another $1.5 trillion. But you're going to have to cut a couple things because that's not going to be enough money. So a couple things you have to cut would be like cut some of this, um, these IRS agents, for example. Um, also, you're going to need to cancel that student loan forgiveness that you put through because we don't really have the money to do that. Um, and also what we want to do is we want to start getting energy out of the United States again so we can become energy independent because that will really unleash the economy and allow us to grow out of this. And Biden says, no deal. So when Janet Yellen's saying that he has to make some tough decisions, one of the tough decisions would be, am I willing to spend less money in the future? Still increase it, still go up by $1.5 trillion, uh, but, but less than I want, and that's where the stalemate is. I want you to understand that. The stalemate is the $1.5 trillion more isn't good enough, and that's what they're fighting over. Now, uh, there's talks of a government default, and that is really running hot. As a matter of fact, that seems to be uh, the base case that's going on here. Let's play this clip from Janet Yellen and hear directly from her on what she's saying about this. Um, as if every Treasury secretary has known, the only option that really leaves our economy in good shape is, and our financial system, is raising the debt ceiling and making clear that Congress stands behind the basic principle that America pays its bills. We're not a deadbeat country. (laughs) So every economist knows, right? Every economist knows that the only way forward is for the U.S. government to continue to raise the debt ceiling. Otherwise, it leaves our economy in bad shape. Like what? Like, hang on. Did you know that? Let me know if you know that. Hit me up on social media. I want to hear from you guys. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss on Instagram or Twitter. I'm pretty active on both those platforms. And let me know. Did you know that? Did you know that uh, every economist knows that we have to increase the debt ceiling in order to continue to pay our bills? Now, more people are waking up to this than ever before. So this is a good thing in a long-term perspective because people are starting to wake up to this. But listen to the sheer insanity of that. Everyone knows we have to increase the debt ceiling in order to pay our bills. So that's going back to your business analogy. Your bank won't give you another credit line. You can't get any more credit cards. And you go back to the bank and said, look, everyone knows if you don't give me another credit line, my business goes under. (laughs) What's the bank going to tell you? The bank's going to tell you to pound sand. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, But then the the final part that she said, um, so that other nations don't think we're a deadbeat nation. 
So imagine, again, going back to your bank. Uh, I know you said you won't give me any more credit lines and I know I've maxed out 15 credit cards. Um, but look, if you don't give me, if you don't give me another credit line, you know, my business is going to go under and people will think I'm a deadbeat company. Think about that. Well, <laughs> if you can't pay your bills, you're not profitable. You've taken on more and more debt that you have no way of ever repaying. Aren't you a deadbeat company? You're not going to pay those people their money back. Why would anyone loan you anywhere? You are deadbeat. So what she's saying is wrong. Um, I put out a tweet, uh, I believe it was yesterday, early, earlier this week. I forget exactly what day. And I, I showed a chart. And I like, to, I like to post a lot of charts on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, um, as well as on Twitter as well. Again, follow me on those platforms if you're not. Um, and I like to show the charts because I want to show you the size and the speed of these moves. And the chart comes from FRED, which is the Federal Reserve's data board. Um, and it showed that the, the, the interest on the debt, so again, they want to raise the debt ceiling from $31 trillion to you know, almost 32 to another one and a half. Um, the interest that's owed on that debt is now equal to the amount of money that we spend just on defense spending for the military. So we're paying just as much on debt as we are on defense. Now, uh, we, spend, um, we spend more on defense than the next 10 countries combined. Combined. So everyone from number two, China, Russia, everybody, the next 10 people, we spend more than that combined. Now, so the debt, the interest on the debt is more. Now, does that sound bad? Did you know that the Federal Reserve has raised rates at the highest and fastest rate in history? And when the debt was taken on, we were in the zero, 0 0.5 range. Today, we're at 5%. About 30% of that debt, the $32 trillion, has to be refinanced in the next 12 months at these new 5% rates. What do you think happens when you refinance 30% of your $32 trillion? From 0% to 5%. Like if you took on 30% of your debt for your business, you had got like on a zero rate transfer credit card, and then all of a sudden it resets at 5%. What is that going to do to you in a, in a time when the interest is already meeting or exceeding defense spending, in a time when you can't already make those obligations? It's insanity. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the insanity of the, the debt crisis that's happening, the unsustainable debt. I got a lot more to cover when I come back on the potential for a government default, which is, I'm thinking, is probably the base case. It looks like that's where we're headed. What does that mean? And what are the possible solutions to protect yourself and profit from all this? We'll talk about all that in a minute when I come back. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, taking you through this debt crisis that we're in. We've been covering how the government admitted that they are printing money from thin air, and uh, now this debt crisis that's looming. Now, I talked about the government having only less than two weeks of money left. Now, of course, they show us this. They show us how much money they have in their reserve account, um, and so we can see their checking account. We can also see how fast it's been drawing down. So we basically just extrapolate uh, what the current uh, burn rate is, and then based off this current burn rate, how much do you have left, and then how long will that last? It's not hard to do. Uh, Simple. Elementary math, almost, right? And so what we can see is that based off of those, those numbers, we see that we have about two weeks left. The treasury account is down to $185 billion, which is a lot of money, but not when you're talking about trillions of dollars. The government is running a $2.2 trillion deficit right now. So that means the deficit means that their expenses exceed their income by $2.2 trillion. Now, the treasury has $185 billion. The cash balance is down just uh, down thirty billion just from yesterday, and only two point two billion in tax revenue came in because right we have tax revenue coming in tax you know taxes were due April fifteenth last month and so this tax revenue is coming in but the most of that tax revenue is already in like you should have already paid that that's already in uh, we had a little bit more trickle in two point two billion but we withdrew thirty. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the expenses are way exceeding the income. And so at this run rate, we have about two weeks left. Now, this is obviously unsustainable. I don't have to. Uh, an elementary kid could figure this out. This is unsustainable. The U.S. government debt has gone from $1.2 trillion to $31.4 trillion just since 1980. <laughs> 30 times in 30 years. Well, I guess it was that 40 years, um, 30 times in 40 years, 1.2 trillion to 31.4 trillion. That is not sustainable. In 1980, going back to the 1.2 trillion, the debt to GDP. So back to a business, you have your, your revenue, your gross revenue, the amount of products that you produce, goods and services that you produce, and then you have your debt. In 1980, the debt, the, the United States government debt to the GDP was 26%. This year, it's 
So what does that mean? Well, that means that what they do is they take on debt, just like your business, you would take on debt to buy a new piece of equipment, a new van, new truck, hire somebody. And you hope that by buying that new piece of equipment, and you take on that little bit of debt, um, you know, it's going to cost you 100 bucks a month to add on this piece of equipment, but that piece of equipment should make you 500 a month. So you take on $1 of debt to add $5 of revenue, that'd be the goal. And that's what the United States government has done, right? They're trying to take on debt to try to grow. The problem is, is that at some point, the debt becomes unsustainable, and it actually starts holding you back. It's like trying to run up a hill with a backpack full of rocks. And so that number really starts heating up around 90% debt to GDP. And you're starting to get less growth than the dollar of debt. And so um, in the example I gave, so like in 1980 at 26% debt to GDP, you know, uh, I don't have the exact data in front of me, but potentially, you know, $1 of debt would give you back the $5 of growth. Once you get up to 90%, you're getting $1 of growth for $1 of debt. So it's not really doing anything for you. Now, when you get to 100 and 5%, 10%, 20, 123% where we're at now, now you're getting like 50 cents of growth for the dollar of debt, which basically means that you're digging your hole faster than you're uh, filling, filling out of it. If you've ever been to the beach, um, I live at the beach, I'm there all the time, but maybe I'm sure you've probably been there. And, and if you see people like kids, they'll go down kind of by the water and they'll start digging a hole. A lot of kids like to do that. And uh, if you're close by the water, you'll see it starts filling up with water. <laughs> they're digging and digging and digging. But no matter how much they dig, they're never going to dig their way out of the water because the water's underground, right? You're on the ocean there. And that's basically the same situation that we're in. No matter how much debt they take on at this point, they can't grow their way out of it. And of course, governments usually resort to uh, fiscal stimulus, during a recession, which is where we're going into right now, which means even more debt. But when a government's running $2.2 trillion of deficit already, and then, you know, and they're doing that during times of economic expansion, times when things are good, times when the economy is growing, how the heck are they supposed to uh, run that stimulus during a recession? That's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why um, this uh, a default is looking more and more likely. As a matter of fact, like I said, there's this stalemate where the Republicans are like, look, okay, fine. We'll increase the debt limit. We'll give you the extra $1.5 trillion you want, but you uh, are going to have to cut some of your potential spending bills, like the IRS bill, for example. So we're going to give you more, but like we're, we're going to limit the increases to 1% a year. So this future spending that you wanted, you're going to have to cut some of that out. And that's where the stalemate is. And so the Biden administration says, no deal. We won't do it. And the Republicans seem to be pretty steadfast on this number. As a matter of fact, uh, number 45, President Donald Trump came out and urged the Republicans to get the spending cuts from the Democrats before they concede. So he's basically said, look, uh, don't 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 cave. Get those concessions from the Biden administration, reduce spending, or if it won't happen, then he says to push the U.S. into its first ever default. And that was an interview that he did um, with CNN. Quote, I say to the Republicans out there, congressmen, senators, if they don't give you massive cuts, you're going to have to do a default, end quote, Trump said. He went on to say, quote, I don't believe they're going to do a default because I think the Democrats will absolutely cave. Well, absolutely cave because you don't have to have that happen, but it's better than what we're doing right now because we're spending money like drunken sailors, end quote. So he says, look, hold strong. What do you think? 
Do you think the government should just continue to spend like drunken sailors? Do you think the debt doesn't matter? Do you think it, do you, do you think it matters if uh, these people won't get paid back? No, you've heard uh, we owe the money to ourselves, right? Well, do we? If you have a retirement account, mutual funds, 401ks, pensions, it's probably in government debt. You are probably the one loaning the money. Your money is loaned to your bank. I'm sure you've heard me say that before. The money in the bank is not your money. The bank owes you money legally. That's a big deal. And the bank um, owns the government debt. So if the government defaults on the debt, they're not paying you your pension or retirement. They're not paying the bank back, and then the bank can't pay you back. That's how that works. So um, it's, a big, it's a big deal. Should they continue spending when they can't already pay? Now, again, what the Republicans are doing is saying, we need to take the spending all the way back to 2022, last year. Now, if I remember correctly, last year was pretty dang good. Like the world didn't end. We had social programs, like the roads were there. Like if we just held spending to where we were last year, does the world end? Is it that bad? Again, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on social media and let me know at one Mark Moss. But it's looking like most Americans are starting to say they don't agree. As a matter of fact, they don't want to see the um, debt ceiling increased anymore. White House officials hint at possible short-term debt deal to avert default. Potentially, they might save the deal. New York Times say to meet the House Republicans who Democrats hope will defect on the debt limit. So now what the Democrats are doing is they're trying to get a couple of Republicans to switch sides and vote with them. A long-shot Democratic effort to force a debt limit increase to the floor hinges on at least five GOP defections. These House Republicans are considered likeliest. So they're, now they're trying to literally get people to switch sides so they can ram this through. But like I said, I think it's 58% of Americans do not support a debt increase. But again, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss and let me know. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we talk about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is breaking apart from a centralized world to a decentralized world. A centralized world that's controlled by the U.S. government and the homogeny of the U.S. dollar reserve system that is obviously falling apart right now. What comes next? A very decentralized world. I got a whole lot more to cover. Still, we're not done yet. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, the 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 chances the betting markets are giving of the of a debt default, and we're going to talk about the big problem and the big solutions that we have to protect ourselves, um, and our nation and the world. So we're going to talk about all that in a minute. When I come back, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution. I'll be back with all that and more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about each and every week the decentralized revolution, of course, the way the world changes through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. We look at it through those three lenses because it helps us to bring context and clarity and understand to what's going on. Now, we're talking about the insanity of Brad Sherman's comments of the crypto bros printing money from thin air and how he clearly doesn't understand what money is or how it's made or what value is. Uh, but then the highlight of that the government can print money from thin air and what that means. We talk about the debt ceiling. Uh, we talked about the potential debt default, which it looks like it's starting to uh, really come to fruition. As a matter of fact, the, all markets are betting markets. And so what does that mean? That means when I buy an asset in the market, whether it's a house, well, maybe not a house because you might buy it for different reasons, but in the market, like the stock market, for example, um, if I buy an asset, I'm betting basically that the price of that stock will go up or I'm betting it will go down if I'm short selling it. Either way, I'm betting on a future valuation of that asset. So the, all markets are betting markets. Now, the stock markets where most people focus on aren't really the best markets to look at, not where professional investors look. Those are trailing indicators that tell you kind of what happened. Uh, so then um, the next best place to look would be the bond market. And that's where professional investors look, um, the debt of these companies. And then the real market to look at, according to um, one of my good friends, my Oss brother, I'm talking about Greg Foss. Um, he's uh, been a 30-year debt trader, bond trader. He talks about the credit default swaps, the CDS market. Now, the CDS market is basically where investors will hedge their bets. They'll buy insurance against their position in case the position crashes. They have money for that. It got kind of popularized, we'll say, in the 2008 Great Financial Crash. And it was really popularized by the book and then the movie called The Big Short. And if you haven't read the book or watched the movie, I would highly recommend it. As a matter of fact, I'm probably due for watching it again. I read the book when it first came out. It was amazing. The book's always better. Uh, the video, the, the movie's good. Um, it had some big name actors, Christian Bale, and uh, I forget all the actors in it anymore. But anyway, uh, it's a good movie. Um, probably worth watching again for myself. But they really highlight what happened. And so an investor who uh, is named in real life Kyle Bass, 
basically made these bets against the the housing crisis, knowing that the housing crisis was going to fail, knowing that the banks owned all these uh, mortgage-backed securities, these MBS, and it was a big mess. I'm not going to go through all that. But uh, basically, he went and started buying insurance against that using the CDS, the credit default swaps. Now, one thing about a CDS is that you don't have to own the asset to buy insurance on it. So it'd be like if you owned a house in a flood zone, for example, I saw like a dam was about to break. I could go buy insurance on your house. And if, if it got flooded, I would win. But you can't do that unless you own the asset. You can't buy car insurance or house insurance for somebody else. But with credit default swaps, you can. And so that's really the best market. It's sort of like uh, when they run like presidential election polls, the polls aren't very accurate. Um, the betting markets on who's going to win the poll is very accurate. And the reason why is because people are putting their money where their mouth is. They're putting putting skin in the game, so to speak. And so the CDS market, credit default swap market, is that market. It tells us what's going on there. And the credit default swap market, the price of the CDS swaps are going through the roof. And it's pricing in that we're likely, most likely to have an, a default. Now, when we say a default, there's two types of default. There's a hard default and there's a soft or a technical default. Okay. So a hard default would be where the government just doesn't pay any debt. Hey, sorry, we owe 32 trillion. Forget it. We ain't paying. That'd be a hard default. That's not going to happen. That will, that will most likely never happen. And the reason why is because no, no government with a money printer will do a hard default. They're going to print the money. As Janet Yellen said, we'll have to print the money. We'll take on the debt, right? Now, a soft or a technical default is different. If this gets delayed by one day and they squabble over it and it, and it goes a day long, that's a technical default, okay? So um, it's pricing in a technical or a soft default, not a hard default. So don't, don't get alarmed over this. Um, that's not going to happen. But like I said, this is, this is, this is uh, what's happening. Now, we're starting to see really a changing of the guard with this, and we're seeing a lot of distrust happening in the government. Regardless of what happens, regardless of the, of the outcome of this whole debacle, either way, it, it's eroded the trust and the confidence in the government, and it's exposed that the government, the, the emperor wears no clothes. It's exposed that your business can't pay its bills. It's exposed that unless they continue this Ponzi scheme, they can't succeed. And, and people are really starting to turn their back against the Biden administration because they're the ones running the show right now. And we're starting to see the mainstream media even turn its back against Biden. We saw uh, a poll that was run just this week, and it shows 54% oppose raising the debt ceiling. Uh, and interesting enough, Tidbit says that the opposition was stronger from those without a college degree. I thought that was pretty interesting. You would think it'd be the opposite. The college degree would be smarter. They'd know what's more going on. But I think the smarter people who went to college got indoctrinated and they think that it's just okay, we can spend forever. And that just kind of goes to show you how much colleges actually teach you. Now, uh, it's, it's, no, it's no doubt, it's, it's, no, it's not a mystery why the mainstream media and why people are starting to turn their back on this. We can see in just two years of the Biden administration, a typical American family has lost over $7,000 in purchasing power. $7,000. What does that mean? Well, that means that let's say that you make, um, let's just use easy numbers. Let's say that you make 50 bucks an hour. You may not make that much. Let's just say you make that. That's 140 hours that you have to work extra just to have the exact same quality of life that you had before. Now, if we divide that by uh, 12 months, that's uh, 11 and a half hours per month 
of your life that they have stolen just for you to maintain. So if you had, you know, a house, a car, you ate steak twice a week, you had, you know, one vacation a year, you bought your kids new shoes, you know, twice a year, whatever, whatever your standard of living was. Now, in order to have that exact same standard of living, you now have to work almost 12 hours more per month. Now, that's if you make 50 bucks an hour. If you make 10 bucks an hour, just do the math. That's stealing your life. That's 12 hours that you could have put into the gym so you were healthy. That's 12 hours you could have put into your relationship with your wife or your kids so you could be a better you know, husband, father, uh, mother, whatever. That's 12 hours you could have started a new business. You could become financially free. 12 hours you could have gone to school to learn a new skill, whatever. It's your life. Use it however you want. Go sit on the beach. I don't care. The point is the government has taken that away by printing money, which is no wonder why homeownership affordability is at an all-time low. Of course, government spending national debt is at all-time high. Now, we do have a solution to this, and of course, that's Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a finite amount. No more than 21 million Bitcoin will ever be mined. Now, there, it is, it is, it is, uh, you can break down, just like a dollar breaks down into 100 cents, a Bitcoin breaks down into 100 million sats. So there's uh, plenty to go around. Uh, but the fact is that nobody controls it, and nobody can create more of it like the Federal Reserve does with the dollar. In addition to that, if I want to hold it, not only can they not print more of it to steal my value away that way, they also can't take it from my bank. And if I want to send it to you, nobody can censor that. Nobody can stop it, block it, or prevent it. And so while this is bad for America, while this is bad for Americans, and it's bad for the whole world as holding dollars, it's, it's bad for the whole world. Everyone gets caught up in this. It's not, it's not something to cheer. It is bringing attention to the insanity of the Ponzi scheme that's the United States. It's bringing attention to the insanity of Janet Yellen of the U.S. Treasury and the, and the Fed, Jerome Powell. And it's highlighting that we have a solution. It's sitting there right in front of us, the Bitcoin network. And as the trust, as the confidence continues to become eroded, people will be looking for solutions. Now, this happens a lot faster in other countries like Lebanon or Turkey or Argentina, Venezuela, where they're having you know double, triple-digit inflation. But it's coming. It's coming. That's what this debt ceiling is showing us. That's what Janet Yellen just said. We have to continue to take on more debt if we want to continue paying our bills. So that means more money printing ahead. That means more loss of your purchasing power. That means higher prices. And it only accelerates the law of diminishing returns. And so we have Bitcoin. Thank God for Bitcoin. Um, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We've been talking about the insanity and the unsustainability of the debt crisis and the solutions that we have that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.